What, what do we do now? You know, God brings about God-ordained uh, uh, meetings at times like that. He brings people into your life, people that you can share without even really knowing the love of Jesus Christ with, just based on the reality that your trust is not in a plane ticket or arriving where you're supposed to be when you're supposed to be there, but that your trust is in Jesus Christ. In the book of Galatians chapter 5, it's all about learning to understand where have I put my trust? Is my trust in the events and circumstances of my life? Is it my trust in my ability, my personal ability to adjust all those things in life? The reality is for most of us, our trust is in ourself. And that is what the scripture calls walking in the flesh. When we put our hope and trust in me. But when we decide to put our hope and trust in Christ, the scripture calls that walking in the spirit. Pressing into him, trusting in him, seeking his guidance, trying to see your circumstances through God's eyes. You know, it changes everything when you see your circumstances through the eyes of God. His church... His church, God has, a, I think, a very specific message for today. As, as I was preparing uh, the message this morning, I was invited, uh, or I, I was reminded of a scripture in the book of Revelation. If you guys want to hold your finger in Galatians chapter 5 and turn with me to Revelation chapter 2, I just want to read this to you because this, uh, this scripture, the, the whole time I've been going through the book of Galatians, just continues to shout out to me from the pages of Scripture. He says this, To the angel of the church at Ephesus, Write, These things says he who holds the seven stars in his right hand, who walks in the midst of the seven golden lampstands. It's a description of Jesus Christ. Oh, speaking of holding the seven stars, that they're in his control. Do you, do you believe that your life is in God's control? He holds the seven stars. He is there in control. The seven stars in Revelation speak specifically of the pastors of these churches. But as we look at it in a personal uh, a way, it, we, it, it teaches us that God's hand is in everything around us. And he walks in the midst of the lampstands. The lampstands, the light of, of the world, was passed from Jesus Christ to, to his body, the church. Now it's our job to reflect the light of Jesus Christ. Do you believe that Jesus is here this morning? Do you believe that Jesus is in control? He goes on to say, I know your works. He's got a, a commendation that he brings to the church at Ephesus. I know your works, your labor, your patience, that you cannot bear those who are evil. And you have tested those who say they are apostles and are not and have found them liars. And you have persevered and you have patience and you have labored for my name's sake and have not become weary. Man, it's a busy church. A lot of things going on. A lot of events. Not bad things. Good things. God gives us as a commendation. He's saying, attaboy, good job. I'm, I'm excited about these things that you're doing. These events that are going on in your life. But then what does he say? Nevertheless, I have this against you. You left your first love. He didn't say you lost it. What did he say? You left it. You left it behind. 
So often in the, in the, in the reality of the church, today's church, we are so caught up in putting our trust in ourselves. We may be busy about programs. We may be busy about feeding the hungry. We may be busy about making sure that, that those who are naked are clothed, that, that those who are in jail are visited. But when our trust is misplaced, when our trust is firmly upon our shoulders and we are walking in the strength and the power of our flesh, we struggle with being burnt out. We struggle with being frustrated. We struggle with all those, those feelings of falling short. And we, like the church at Ephesus, have left our first love. It's Jesus, man. It's, it's all about Him. Why do we do the things we do? I remember at Joshua Springs when I was uh, uh, just a young man there. I'm serving as an assistant pastor. I I served there for just about 15 years. And as I was doing all those things, I remember the chaos of all the events that were going on. And you had this dinner and that dinner and this this game and this event at the school and and that event. And, And you would not believe how chaotic your calendar can get with all kind of things happening and all kind of things cooking and, and all these things going on. And you start to rely on the strength of your flesh to be all things to all people and try to do all these things. And we forget why we're doing them. If we forget why we're doing them, it's a waste of time. Only one thing matters. The life I live, I now live for Christ. It's my gift to Him. See, when the Scriptures talk to us, they don't talk to us and focus on life after death. And that sometimes is where our focus is. It focuses rather on life after birth. When we've been born again, we put our faith and trust in Jesus Christ. What now? That's the danger. That's the struggle that that Galatians has been talking about. The battle between legalism and grace. The struggle between flesh and spirit. Between putting my trust in myself or putting my trust in my Savior who bled and died for me. Let me tell you, it's... No, it never is more relevant to you than when you're standing in a place in Israel called the Praetorium. The Praetorium is that place where Jesus Christ was brought, where he was scourged. Not a place like it. The place. And you stand in this room far beneath the level of the city because the level of the city at the time of Christ is, is several feet below where the city of Jerusalem is today. You go down to this area and you have these smooth stones that at one time was the, the, the center of the Antonio Fortress where the Praetorium was, where Jesus Christ bled for me. You stand there and kick off your sandals. Feel the coldness of the stone that was the same, the same coldness that Jesus Christ felt himself. You look at the gutters that are there carved into the stone and you realize that the blood of your Savior may have run through those gutters. Not gutters like them. Those gutters. And you begin to realize life is so much more than what I do. It's it's about why I do what I do. 
It's about honoring Jesus Christ. So, you know, when we do that, when the reason we go to a, a, a parade or the reason we go to a church event or the reason we gather together and, and go caroling or the reason, if, when that's about Jesus, man, it's a joy. As soon as it's just about something to do, it's just busy. And let's face it, we're all busy, right? But when we see those things, those events, those occurrences in our life as an opportunity to show the one who bled on that stone floor for me, I love him. That's why I come. That I love him. That's why I serve. Then Paul would say, now you have remembered from whence you have fallen. You repented from getting away from it and do again the works you did at the beginning. Remember when you first fell in love with Jesus? I remember I first fell in love with Jesus and, and <clears throat> I could not get enough of studying the Word. I wanted to know more. I wanted to understand more. I wanted to see more. I wanted to know the stories and how the pieces of, the, of Scripture come together. And I would just pour myself into those things. And then slowly over time, it's a gradual, right? Slow fade. That's what the song says. You, you're pouring yourself into these things, and pretty soon it starts to become work. Pretty soon you start to lose sight of why am I doing this? We see that in, in every area of our life. But the good news is, the good news is, if we will submit to the Spirit, then the Holy Spirit gives us that understanding every single day. I have an opportunity to wake up in the morning pressing into Jesus Christ, asking for that gift, that anointing of His Holy Spirit on my life and help me to see the way He sees. Help me to be realizing that the reason I do what I do is to honor and glorify Him. If I do that, I'm going to walk in the Spirit. I'm going to walk in the Spirit and I'm not going to make any provision for the flesh to obey its lust. I'm going to be focused on what God wants to do in my life. And that in Galatians chapter 5 is what Paul is trying to get across to us. He says in verse 13, listen, for you, brethren, have been called to liberty. You've been called to freedom. But sometimes we live our Christian life like we're shackled. Folks, if you feel shackled in your Christianity, the, the, that is called religion. And religion binds you. Jesus said, I set you free. What does he set us free from? He, folks, he sets us free from the guilt of sin. I don't ever have to feel guilty again because Jesus Christ paid the price for my sin. He paid the price on the cross. I'm called to liberty, to freedom. Paul in Romans chapter 7 says, I know the things that I ought to do, and those things I don't do. And the things that I shouldn't do, they end up being the things that I do. You ever felt that way? Well, great, you're in good company. Apostle Paul is right there with you. And then he says, I thank God because He has delivered me from this body of death. What's the body of death? That guilt isn't that what the enemy does? First he puts a thought in your mind, then he hits you with guilt. Oh, I can't believe you thought that. I can't believe you did that. I can't believe you, you even considered such that you call yourself a Christian. But Romans 8, 1, the very next verse says, There is now therefore no condemnation to those who are in 
Christ Jesus. By the way, that's where the period goes in that verse. There is now therefore no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. Who walk according to the Spirit falls down into verse 4. But same concept. The idea is that that freedom from the guilt of sin comes through a relationship with Jesus Christ. But when we put ourselves, our trust on me, that I can get myself through this, that I can focus, that I can study enough, read enough, pray enough, do enough, so that I will get myself through, we're in bondage. And we feel guilty and we feel shame and we feel all those things because we put all the burden on us. But all the burden is supposed to be where? On Jesus. He did the work. What's he say? He says, listen, you brethren have been called to liberty. Only do not use your liberty as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. Man, that is the key. Serve one another. Oh, but you can't forget the first part, right? We don't get to dissect the verse that way. It says, through love, serve one another. Remember what I said? All the things we do, all the events, all the craziness, all that stuff happening, that's where the church at Ephesus was at. But they were serving not how? Not through love. They left their first love, right? They were just busy. Good things, but just busy. Now, are we supposed to just not be busy or not do those things? No. What's the key? Through love, serve. Through love, serve. Remember why we do what we do. Jesus said, by this they will know that you are my disciples, by your love one for another. Romans chapter 5 tells us that love of God, agapeo, is poured out in our life by the Holy Spirit. Walking in the Spirit means I'm walking in the love of God. It means the love of God is being expressed in my life and I can serve through love. 1 Corinthians chapter 13, the love chapter. Remember what it said? Though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels, if I have not love, it profits me nothing. Though I have all faith so that I can say to this mountain, be removed and cast into the sea. If I have not love, it profits me nothing. Nothing. Apart from through love, everything else is lost. Remember your first love. That love that we have for our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Through love, serve one another for all the laws fulfilled in one word. What's the one word? Love. Love. Jesus said, listen, I wrote out these Ten Commandments. I wrote them with the finger of God carved into the stone. But the problem is those Ten Commandments carved out on stone by the finger of God could not change the heart of stone in man. So God said, I'm going to write my law upon his heart. I'm going to put it in his head. I'm going to put it inside of him. What does God put inside of us? Love. The new covenant created by the blood of Jesus Christ. A new covenant that says now we have the ability to love. We have the ability through love to serve, to do all the things that God's called us to do. Not to forget why we do them. Because we love Jesus Christ. 
And he loved us. And all the law is fulfilled in that. Not most of the law, not some of the law. How much of the law? All the law. It's interesting because when we do a careful study of the Greek, all means all. Funny how that is, right? All the law is fulfilled in one word. You will love your neighbor as yourself. But if you bite and devour one another, beware, lest you be consumed by one another. What happens when we're walking in my own faith, in my own trust? I'm walking subservient to the flesh. I'm, I'm my own savior. I'm my own power. I'm my own reason for the things that I do. The next thing you know, the fruit of that is we're biting and devouring one another. There's contentions, there's divisions, there's problems. So, so Paul says, listen, if you're going to sit around and, and cannibalize one another, you need to realize you're walking in the flesh, not in the spirit. You're serving yourself. You've become central in your life rather than Christ. You have left your first love. We want to walk in that first love. So he says in verse 16, I say then, walk in the Spirit and you will not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Walk in the Spirit. That word for walk means the walk of life. Whatever you do, do it for the Lord. Do it as unto the Lord. When I was coaching football, I would tell the kids every time we got together, guys, you can play football for the glory of Jesus Christ. You can knock snot bubbles out of that other guy. And it still be for the glory of Christ. It's all about why. Why? Why am I here? Why am I doing the things I do? Everything we want to do, we can do for the glory of Jesus Christ if we walk in the Spirit. You will not, if we walk in the Spirit, we will not fulfill the lust of the flesh. We want to be focused. We want to walk that way. Listen, uh, mankind is, is broken into three parts. Body, soul, and spirit. Body, soul, and spirit. What is controlling your body? The word for soul is the word psyche. The soul is psycho. The soul is the part of the body that has all that desire, all its wants. I want, 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 want. You know? It's like that... Uh, that show, Finding Nemo. You weren't thinking that, were you? <laughs> yeah, you remember the birds of Finding Nemo. What did they say all the time? Mine, mine. See, everybody knows. <laughs> mine, 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 mine. That's the attitude in the scripture that, that talks of soul. The psyche. The word is psyche. But the word for spirit is pneumos. The Spirit is, is that part that comes to life when we put our faith and trust in Jesus Christ. Are you going to be controlled by the psyche or are you going to be controlled by the pneumos, the Spirit? Which one is going to control your life? Up until that time, we were pretty good at being psycho. But we've got to learn, walk in the Spirit, to submit to that Spirit working in our life, walking in the Spirit. For the flesh lusts against the Spirit and the Spirit against the flesh. Then these are contrary to one another so that you do not do the things that you wish. Just like Romans chapter 7, right? Paul said, this is what happens. My flesh wants to go left. My Spirit wants to go right. They're always going to pull against one another. Battling against one another. The flesh in in 
wars against the spirit. The spirit wars against the flesh. They're contrary, opposite. But if you are led by the spirit, well, then you're not under the law. And that word in the Greek, it literally means if you are willingly led by the spirit. What's that mean? If I submit to the spirit. Every event in our life is ordained by God. Do you believe that? The good, the bad, and the ugly. Every event ordained by God. If I submit to Him and say, Lord, you need to give me eyes to see this circumstance through you, not through me. If I am willingly led by the Spirit, I'm not under the law. I'm under grace. Jesus Christ meets us there. He's in that place. And we can walk in the Spirit. Submitted to the Spirit. Leaning, pressing into the Spirit. If you are led, willingly, focused. The antidote for the flesh is walking in the Spirit. The antidote for trusting in myself. Walking in the Spirit. Walking in the Spirit. So many people these days are afraid of that. Well, they, they get afraid because they, they, they worry about some of the kind of way out issues that come up when you start talking about the spirit. But does God, does God have a spirit of fear? We don't have to be afraid of none of that stuff, do we? You trust God? You believe that everything that comes into your life passes through the hands of a God who loves you? If that's true, when we press into the spirit, when we submit ourselves to the spirit, the scripture says... Uh, the, prophet is, the spirit of the prophet is subject to the prophet. God doesn't make you do anything. But if we submit to him, he will allow you to do all things through Christ who strengthens you. All things means what? Huh, imagine that. Listen, he wants us to walk in the spirit and destroy the power of the flesh in our life. So he says, now the works of the flesh are evident. I want you to, I, how many of you guys like to write in your Bibles? I scribble all over in them things. It's a book to write in, to put your notes in, to, to, to understand and focus. And then if you're writing your Bibles, circle that word works. The works of the flesh. Because in a minute we're going to compare that to the fruit of the Spirit. The works of the flesh. That's what happens when we try to put our trust in ourselves. Do you realize that the, there's no extent to the distance the evil that man can do will carry him? If you don't believe it, watch the news. And I don't care what country you're in. You got crazy, weird knuckleheads everywhere. And you have them everywhere because the works of the flesh are evident. They're evident. You can see them. Which are, and he begins this long list. Even longer when Jackie reads it, because he's got to talk about them all. <clears throat> the works of the flesh are evident. Which are adultery. Uh, we don't have to get too much into that, but the simple understanding that adultery is a sin. The first four are sins of a sexual nature. Sins of a sexual nature. He says, listen, the works of the flesh are evident. It's adultery. It's adultery. What did the nation of Israel do to God all the years after they entered into the promised land? Spiritual adultery. 
God called them spiritual harlots. That they sold their soul to have sex under every tree. That they cheated on God with all of these other gods in their life. That they committed spiritual adultery. Well, here he's talking about adultery in the physical sense. Adultery, someone who does not complete or hold the vows that they have given uh, to their spouse before God. They commit adultery. Next is fornication. The word for fornication in the Greek is a Greek word, pornea. Pornea, it's the same word, root word for the word pornography in our written language. Fornication or pornea has come to mean every type of sexual event that can occur outside of the realm of God. Everything that is not God-ordained. Isn't it interesting that, that here we are talking about what's the power that God wants to pour into you? Love. And then the first four works of the flesh are perversions of the love of God. They make it all about something else. Adultery, the grass is greener on the other side. Is that true? No, the grass is greener where you do what? Water it. The grass is greener where you water it. You water the grass at home, it's green. You water the grass somewhere else, it'll be green there. Perversion of the love of God. Looking for love in all the wrong places. Thinking that what love is, is, is what the world sells. This, this concept of, of sex outside of marriage that, well, you know, that's just so dated. Listen, it was dated then. When Paul was talking about this, the whole world was okay with sex outside of marriage. With living together. With having as many sexual partners as you would like. You think that's changed? Now we've had a sexual revolution and we've come to understand. They were doing it then. It's always been a part of men. But it's always been a perversion of the true understanding that God gives through the love of God. What's the love of God? Agapeo? The self-sacrificing love. What's the love of the world? The love that sacrifices everyone else for what you want. That's completely different, isn't it? Adultery, fornication, any kind of relationship sexually outside of the confines of God's plan in marriage. The next word that he, that he talks about, he says uh, adultery. And he says fornication. And he says uncleanness. That's the opposite of purity. Or to be impure. Indeed, Thought or word. Impurity. Well, it's kind of what uh, being a comic has come to mean, right? You remember when once upon a time you could hear a guy tell a joke and it was just funny? But it's not that way so much anymore. Oh, sometimes we think we've cornered the market on that too. Listen, I have had opportunity to go around the world. I've walked in Ephesus. I've seen the things that they scratched in their walls, the graffiti that they put up at that time. It's not all that different from what we put up today. The same attitude of uncleanness, impurity, an attitude that says, listen, I, I, I want what I want when I want it. I don't care about anybody else. Selfish, unclean. And then the next word that he uses is the word lewdness. In the Greek, the word lewdness is asogia. Asogia. It means an open, shameless, brazen display of unbridled lust. Romans chapter 1. 
Remember how Romans chapter 1 and 2, that he kind of, he, Paul kind of paints against this backdrop, the downward spiral of man, until man reaches a point where he's turned over. And when he's turned over, he'll do anything, anywhere, anytime, anyhow. That's what lewdness is. Unbridled display of lust. I'm proud of it. I'll even have a parade. And in that parade, I'll do things that you wouldn't do anywhere else. Because I'm proud of my sin. I'm proud of what I do. That's what lewdness is all about. He says, this is the work of the flesh. Adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lewdness. Listen, if our life is marked by those things in the beginning of this list, we are at best walking in the flesh at worst, unregenerated souls deceived by the enemy into thinking it's okay. Or we're not saved. These are God's call. This is what being marked by the flesh is all about. Well, listen, he goes on and continues and he, and he focuses in on religious sins. Listen, the next thing he says is idolatry, putting anything before God. This becomes my God, whatever it is. It could be anything. It could be anyone. That's idolatry. The second one is sorcery. The Greek word for sorcery is the word pharmakia. Literally, it means drug use, period. The literal meaning of the word sorcery is the use of drugs. Isn't that interesting? Do you know, even then at the time of Paul and at the time of Christ, in order to enter into the spiritual realm, you know what they would do? Take, take drugs. It takes down the veil, man. You see things you wouldn't believe. So what did the Indians used to do when they wanted to enter into the spirit world? Smoke peyote. Get wasted. None of that has changed. When the Bible speaks of sorceries, it's talking about giving yourself over to the use of drugs. And what that does is open up a door to a spiritual realm we don't even begin to understand. But it's real. I don't know what you're talking about, Jackie. I smoke dope all the time. All I do is sit around and giggle. <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> it's funny. I, I w- once was talking to a guy. He was pretty into his pot. And, and uh, he said, man, Jackie, don't you know that the Bible says that every herb was given to man for use? I said, listen, brother, you can't have it both ways. The Bible also says that there was no weeds until after the fall. (laughs) And isn't it just like the enemy to come alongside and and just say, oh, it's not a big deal. When the scripture is about to say those who practice such things. They don't have anything to do with God. Do you understand the scariness of that statement? 
Those who practice these things, sorcery, pharmakia, putting your trust in your own peace pipe instead of putting your trust in the one who gives peace that passes all understanding. He goes on to say, not only these, these uh, religious sins of idolatry and, and sorcery, but then he focuses in on, on interpersonal sins. He begins with, uh, with hatred. Hatred, the Greek word is ekphra. It's this attitude that, that occurs within the heart of a man against someone else. It's the attitude that brings about all the rest of the ones that we're going to talk about. See, all the rest of the ones we can talk about, jealousy and envy and murder and dissension, all those things, we can talk about those. But you see, what we can't get to, what we can't really control, is that thing that's in your heart that brings all those out. That's what hatred is. The attitude of the heart, out from which pours all of these other things that he's talking about. Hatred. Next, he talks about uh, contentions. The word is, is eris. It's that person who has a combative and argumentative spirit. Oh, we don't know anybody like that, do we? An argumentative spirit. That's that person that you walk up to and you say, Hey, how you doing? And they want to argue with you about it. Oh, you know. I'll tell you how it goes. Hey, how you doing? Oh, are you asking me how I'm doing or do you really care? I mean, does it really matter to you? Uh, not anymore. Man, that's contentions. It takes a contentious person to argue with you about saying hello. <laughs> contentions. This is what he's saying. This is a, 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 a work of the spirit, that contention, combative spirit. And then he says, he talks about jealousy. The, the word for jealousy is, is zelos. It's a self-centered, zealous desire for what someone else has. Now, you can be jealous for something good. Or you can be jealous that's all bad because it's self-centered. Self-centered. It's all about me, what I can have, what I want. These are the works of the flesh. This is what pours out of us when we are putting our faith and trust in me. And then while these things are coming out of my life, the, the devil's right there to say, I can't believe you call yourself a Christian. Look at all this stuff. Look at all this junk in your life. Paul says, listen, you're, you're walking in the flesh, the works of the flesh. They're evident. This is what they are. Then he goes on to say, outbursts of wrath. That's the word thumas. It means a sudden flash of uncontrolled anger. You ever had that? Yes, I know you have. I know that you've been sitting at home, speaking with your wife or your children, and you have flat been freaking out, flashing up, just... Outside of your head, mad. Do you know that you have control of that, right? Because you know when the phone rings, you don't pick up the phone and go, What do you want? (laughs) I've done it myself. Out of my eyeballs are coming flames of fire, devouring the very soul of my child. At the same time, the phone rings. Now, what you don't hear is that the fire's still coming out of my eyes. But my voice sounds like this. Yes. 
outbursts of wrath, thumos. This is a, a work of the flesh that comes pouring out of us. And then he goes on to talk about selfish ambition. That's the attitude that says, I'm going to get ahead by stepping on other people. I use other people to get what I want. It's a work of the flesh. Work of the flesh. That attitude of the flesh. Then he says, dissensions. Dissensions is that attitude that says, I'm going to stand apart from everybody else on everything. No unity. You cannot find unity with, a, with, a, this, uh, with dissensions. They have no desire for unity, the unity of the Spirit, the unity of Christ, right? The main thing, the main thing, which binds us all together. No, they want to stand apart. Always something wrong, always some issue. It's a work of the flesh, a work of the flesh, and it deals with our relationship with other people. And then he talks about heresies. Now, sometimes when we look at the word heresy, we think that's just false teaching, but listen to what it really means. Heresy is a wrongful dividing over opinions. That's what it means in the Greek. A wrongful dividing over opinions. That means I'm not letting the main thing be the main thing. I'm letting all these other things divide me from my brother. I, I got to experience this a little bit in Israel. We had an opportunity <clears throat> when uh, we, we ran into a group that was from uh, Africa, and they were having a worship service, and we joined in with them. We joined in, got together, did some worship and what have you with them. And, and <clears throat> when you come into that place, I can allow my differences with those brothers, and they were brothers, to be the only thing I focus on. Right? Or I can say, I'm not going to divide over opinion. I'm going to celebrate the Lord Jesus Christ with these guys. They weren't doing nothing that was in opposition to what the Word of God said. They were just doing things I wasn't used to. Does that make it wrong? I don't want to make my opinion that thing which helps me or, or causes me to divide from other people. An attitude of not wanting to have the, the attitude of unity with one another. That's the idea of heresies. And then he talks about envy. Envy. Being bitter toward the person who has what we don't. You want to know whether or not you got envy? Well, how do you act when somebody gets that thing that you really wanted? You don't have it, but they got it. Well, I'd like to get a new car. So-and-so got a new car, and I go out in the parking lot, and I say to them, must be nice. <laughs> what a jerk. <laughs> Why can't you just be happy for somebody? That's a work of the flesh. That's, a, that's an attitude that says, I'm walking in the flesh. I'm not walking in the spirit. I'm, I'm, I'm allowing the psycho in me to control me. Instead of allowing the pneumos, the spirit, to control me. Man, I, I, I'm the one who chooses which way I'm going to walk. I don't want to walk in the flesh. I don't want to walk with an attitude of envy. If Fritz gets a new guitar, I want to come alongside and say, man, brother, praise God. That's awesome. I'm stoked for you. That's what we want to... And it's not something you just make up inside of you. Because then you're relying on your flesh again. And your heart will give you away. What's the reality? The reality comes from the relationship. Why am I stoked for my brother Fritz? Because I love him. 
I love Jesus. Jesus' love is pouring out of me, and I'm not going to be upset or bitter toward him because he gets something. Because he has something. That's the attitude that we want to have. Are we allowing the Spirit to control us? He goes on to speak about murders. What did Jesus say about murder? You know, the first thing people talk to you about when you talk to them about the Ten Commandments, I don't know why they always say this. People always go for the extreme, right? Well, I've never murdered anybody. Woohoo! Wow. I'm so proud of you. But that's not what Jesus said. Jesus said, if you're angry at your brother, you've committed murder. Ever been angry at your brother? Oh, man. I was so mad at my brother one time. Oh, what did I just do? This is the attitude of the flesh, murders. Then he goes on and talks about <coughs> sins that are, uh, deal with alcohol. Isn't that interesting? Do you know what the Bible nowhere says that it's, it's wrong to drink? Everywhere it says it's wrong to be drunk. The Bible says nowhere that it's wrong to drink. Everywhere it says it's wrong to be drunk. Bible doesn't say anywhere that it's wrong to drink. Everywhere it says it's wrong to be drunk. What does he say here? A work of the flesh? Drunkenness. Being wasted. Getting wasted. That's why I don't drink. I don't drink, not a drop. Because that was the only reason I ever drank. It was it. If I sat down and I said, oh, yeah, I'm going to have a beer. It wasn't a beer. It was two, three, four, five, six. Hey, I bet I could drink a case all by myself. What is that? That's the flesh seeking to destroy you. Isn't it interesting? All across the nation, you know what? There's a major problem with alcoholism. And they want to call it a disease. You call it whatever you want. The Bible calls it sin. So... I guess it is a disease. How do I get delivered from it? By a work of the flesh? No, it is a work of the flesh. How do I get delivered from it? Walk in the Spirit and you will not fulfill the desires of the flesh. Walk in the Spirit. Press into Jesus Christ. Allow the Holy Spirit to guide you. The next one, drunkenness and revelries. What's revelries? Listen, revelries in the Greek, I know you, you never realized that, that this maybe was in there. Uh, unrestrained partying. I don't make this stuff up. It was in the Greek. Oh, come on, Jackie, the Greeks, they didn't know nothing about partying. Really? Are you crazy? Why, when you go to every college and they have their fraternities and sororities, what are they named after? Huh. They all have Greek names, don't they? You just thought that was because they were educated. <laughs> That's not why. Come on, the Greeks would, would make their partying rooms slanted with, a, with a, a grate in the corner. So when everybody got wasted and puked all over the place, they just wash it all down in the corner so they could party again the next day. That's what it was. The Lord says this is, a, this is an attitude of the flesh. Drunkenness, revelries, just wanting to party. Party all the time. Party all the time. Sounds like a song, doesn't it? 
Listen, it's an attitude of the flesh and it will destroy you. I knew God was a killjoy. First he takes my drunkenness, then he takes my parties too. You know, mankind always gains more in a relationship with Jesus Christ than he ever lost. Always. Drunkenness and revelries and the like. That means that this is not an exhaustive list. What do you mean by that? I mean, this isn't every possible sin or way that you can walk in the flesh. It's just an example of the ways that you can walk in the flesh. Of which I told you beforehand, just as I also told you in times past, that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. Did you hear that? Because Galatians chapter 6 is going to say this. Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. Whatsoever a man sows, that will he also reap. He says here, Of which I tell you beforehand, just as I also told you in times past, those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. But Jackie, we're married in the eyes of God. No, you're not. If you're not married, marriage... The definition of marriage is both a civil and a religious activity by which you so swear before God that you and the person for whom you are standing will be together till death do us part. Making the excuse that well, we're married in God's eyes is just a way of not having to deal with the reality that you're walking or practicing fornication. Sex outside of marriage. Yeah, but the state just wants to, who cares? Where's your trust, in yourself or in Jesus Christ? I had someone come up to me one time and say, Jack, you know, the reason we're not married, we consider ourselves married, but we're not married because, because we both receive uh, st- um, money from the state for disability. If we got married, we'd lose it. So you're saying your trust, your hope, your faith is in money from the state? I mean, that's okay. That's your choice. Just listen to the words that Paul said. I tell you beforehand, even as I told you in times past, those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. Now, the problem is most people allow the devil to whisper in their ear for those times when we fall, those times when we fail. And he says, you hear what the Bible said? You're not saved. Is that what the Bible said? It's not what the Bible said. What did it say? Those who what? Practice. Practice. What is your life defined by? If I say my life is defined by what I do, I'm going to do what I do and God's just going to have to like it. Then that's what I practice. If I am, say, a person who struggles with drunkenness and revelries, I, every once in a while I, f- I find myself falling. Maybe every week I find myself falling. But if I am defined by the reality that I say, Lord, this is sin. Forgive me. Give me the strength I need to overcome. Help me to deal with my inadequacies. Am I practicing? No. 
I'm failing. All of us do that, don't we? One time or another. It's not practice. What is your life defined by? Is it defined by Jesus Christ or by your wants and desires? By the pull of a man's stomach. Paul would say it this way, whose God is their stomach. What I want is what I want. And God just has to like it. Uh, No, God don't. He doesn't have to. Those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit... Now this is in direct relation to the works of the flesh. How do you fruit? If I said, I want you tomorrow to fruit, what will you do? I'm going to fruit. What you doing today? I'm fruiting. You see how it is completely different than working? I'm doing something? Fruit isn't achieved by working. It's achieved by abiding. What did Jesus say? If you abide in me, I abide in you. Fruit happens by abiding in Christ. Fruit just happens. Walking in the Spirit. It's not a work. It's something that occurs simply by abiding in Christ. Abiding in Him. What else is fruit? Listen, fruit is fragile. Every time I run over one of the apples with the lawnmower, it just goes poof. Everywhere. I run over a rock and my window goes poof everywhere. Fruit's fragile. Fruit reproduces itself. Fruit is attractive. Fruit nourishes. Fruit is good. Even I like fruit. You notice that God did not call it a vegetable. He called it a fruit. We like fruit. Fruit, I like fruit. The fruit of the Spirit, by the way, that's singular. Fruit, not fruits. The fruit... Of the Spirit is love. What's that word love? Agape. Self-sacrificing love. The love of God. For God so loved the world that He gave. He sacrificed Himself. God's love, the love of God. This is the fruit of the Spirit. They will know you are my disciples, how? By your agape, your love one for another. Your self-sacrificing love experienced and given through the Spirit. Can I make it happen? No. How does it happen? By abiding in Christ. By abiding in Christ. Jesus said, I am the vine and you are the branches. You know, the menorah was a candlestick. I got an opportunity to see the candlestick that they got ready for the temple. And, and the candlestick is made up of one vine and how many branches? Six. Isn't that interesting? Six is the number of man. How is man made complete? By abiding in the vine. Six becomes seven. 
Number of completion. What was it that the menorah gave? Light. What did Jesus say? I am the light of the world. And if we're going to reflect the light of Jesus Christ, we have to be attached to the vine. I am the vine. You are the branches. Abide in Christ. And the love of Jesus Christ will pour through us. So the fruit of the Spirit is love. Next word is, is joy. It's the, it's the Greek word kara. Or kara. It's, a, it's the word for joy. It's a deep inner rejoicing. Promise to those who abide in Christ. My joy is in the Lord, not in my circumstances. That's why in the midst of the storm, I can rejoice. Not because I'm so stoked that everything in life has fallen apart. I rejoice because of who the Lord is and I'm with him. Sometimes life just sucks. Sorry. I can't believe he just said that in church. Sometimes there's no other way to say it. That's how it is. Where's my joy come from? Not from my life. From who? Jesus Christ. Abide in the vine and you will have joy. Deep inner peace. The next, the next word is you'll have love, joy, and peace. The word peace is the word Irene. Irene. It means peace. The peace that passes all understanding. Promise to those who abide where? In Christ. Isn't that amazing? It seems to be a theme here. Love that comes from abiding in Christ. Joy that comes from abiding in Christ. Peace that comes from abiding in Christ. Walking in the Spirit brings forth these things. Then he says, love, joy, peace, long-suffering. You know, I thought I had a pretty good understanding of long-suffering. You know, people who suffer long. Menopause is kind of like that, huh? (laughs) It's long-suffering. When the Scripture talks about long-suffering, it's talking about this patient endurance that never seeks any retaliation. Ooh, that got me. One of the neatest things, or neatest, not neat. One of the things I see in my flesh that is really easy to see is my desire for revenge. I can see it every time I want to go pick a movie. What movie do I want to pick? I want to pick a movie that has revenge in it. And some dude got somebody did wrong to him and he comes back and gets them. Get them. By the way, that's the flesh. Long-suffering is never desiring retaliation. It's given to those who abide in Christ. No retaliation. Anybody ever done wrong to you and you just want them to get theirs? No retaliation. Long-suffering. A fruit of the Spirit. That comes from abiding in Christ. Long suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness. All of these things are poured out through the Holy Spirit when we abide in Christ. Gentleness. 
Gentleness is that attitude like meekness, power under control. That means when somebody has done something wrong and you need to discipline them, you discipline them through meekness or gentleness. The Bible says, considering yourself, that you remember that you also could fall and be tempted in the same way. Gentleness given to those who abide in Christ. Self-control against such there is no law. You don't need a law because love always does more than a law. Great example of the difference between love and law, maid and wife. What do you mean, Jackie? Well, maid does what she has to do. A wife does everything she does, which may encompass everything that a maid might do because she loves. Because she loves. Love always does more than the law. There's no law against these things. These things are poured out in our life by those who abide in Christ. And those who are Christ have crucified the flesh with his passion and desire. It's done. It's finished. The flesh has no power. You don't have to walk in the flesh another moment. We have to remember, why are we doing the things we do? Why do we do what we do? Because I love Jesus. What is my motivating point? Because I love Jesus. What do I need in my life? A love of Jesus, which is fruit. And fruit happens when we abide in Christ. Abide in Christ. Stay connected to the, to the vine. We have crucified the flesh with its passion and desire. And if we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. That word walk is a different word from the one we read previously. This word means to follow step by step. That you follow step by step with the Spirit. Where's the Spirit leading? How's the Spirit guiding? What's the Spirit doing? I want to be step by step with Him. Those who... If we live in the Spirit, let us walk step by step. Let us not become conceited, provoking one another or envying one another. Watch out for spiritual pride. Watch out for thinking you've arrived because it's going to cause grief between you and other people. Listen, I want to do all the things that the church was doing in Revelation chapter 2. Because they're all good things. But I want to know why I'm doing it. Because I love Jesus. One of the greatest examples of that is worship. I love our worship team. I love our worship time. I love having people come up and and share their gifts and talents in worship. Because it is incredible to say, this is my gift to you, God. This time, the attitude of my heart... The words of this song are my words to you. What a neat opportunity to remember why we do the things we do. We understand what the works of the flesh are, but we're not focusing on those. What are we focusing on? The Spirit. How do I walk in the Spirit? Abide in Christ. Abide in Christ. Focus on Him. He is the reason why we do everything we do. Amen? Why don't you stand with me? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord God, we do thank you for the opportunities that you give us to come before you, to come before your your throne with, with singing and joy. 
God, we, we see the works of the flesh, and, and, and really all they do is rip us off. But the fruit of the Spirit, which occurs when you are the reason behind everything I do, there's nothing there I don't want in my life. Love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, gentleness, self-control. Oh, man. We get so much more in a relationship with you than we ever lost. God, I want you to be my focus, my main thing. I want to repent from being like the church at Ephesus who's busy and moving and doing and things are happening, but I forgot why I'm doing what I'm doing. (coughs) May I do what I do for you. Not for someone else to think I'm cool. Not for someone to think I'm neat. Not for someone to think anything. Just for you. This is our gift to you. Not life after death. Life after birth. God, watch over and keep us. This season, Lord, when we're going through all the craziness of the season, may we not forget who this season is all about. And let it be all about you, Lord. Everything we do. Father, be glorified in this place. Be magnified as we seek to just draw near unto you. We lay this time before you, God, and ask your blessing, Father. Enable us, Lord God, to remember our first love. To repent from leaving that love behind. And return to how you want us to live, walking in the Spirit. Father, be glorified. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. We're going to close in a a word of worship. We invite you to hang out and worship with us. We're also going to have prayer counselors spread about throughout the room. If there's something going on in your life, something you need to pray about, I encourage you to find uh, one of these prayer counselors and pray with them. God bless you guys, and go in peace.